Welcome to The Link Church. We pray this week's message inspires you to have a meaningful relationship with Jesus. So I get to preach one more time this year, and I thought to myself, there are a million things I wanted to preach. What am I doing? Oh, yeah, the kids. Do you not want to hear my last message? Get out of here. Go. What are you waiting for? That's my bad. It's going to be a great message. I don't know why she's taking you out. Don't you want to listen, Lizette? A million things I wanted to preach, but I thought I'm going to, I'm going to poke and prod you a little bit before the end of the year. If I only get one chance to preach now before the end of this year, I thought let's stir some people up. Amen? Amen. So I'm ready to have a go. I want to show you something in, the, in, in Scripture, which I'm probably... I'm, I, I, I'd be willing to bet you may not have seen. Like for the most of you, you probably haven't seen. You certainly don't know maybe a lot about this person, but I want to I show you some stuff. And the reason I want to poke and prod and press at you a little bit is because I want you to keep going in the right direction. This, this time of year is distracting. This time of year has everything against you. Everything's dragging your attention. And I want to make sure that you uh, stay on track and remember that uh, we are in a war. Just because it's Christmas time, just because it's December, doesn't mean that the enemy takes a weekend off. You're still in a war and he's out for you. And you need to be vigilant and you need to be aware and you need to be on top of things and you need to recognize where you're at in life because he's going to keep coming at you no matter what and you have to keep pushing forward no matter what. Now's not the time to check out. If anything, it's the time to dial in, to focus, to be aware, to be awake, to be looking at what is God doing? What is God saying? What is the temperature? What is the climate like? What is happening in my street? What's happening in my friendship circle? What's happening in the workplace? We need to be on it. Amen? Because if we don't, we're going to get caught in the cycle of life. And, and, and Israel... Is, has been caught in the cycle. You read through Scripture, you see this, this same old cycle, this pattern that emerges. Um, you know, they, they, they live like the world. They disobey God. Uh, they follow false gods. They worship idols. They forget what God has done. They forget that the enemy is out to get them. And then they do whatever they want in life. They live like everyone that, that is around them. And then, bam, suddenly they find themselves in trouble. And, and when you read through Scripture, uh, you will see that God just handed them over. You want to live like that? Off you go. We think that somehow God is going to restrain us and keep us on. No, you have a free will. You can do whatever you want to do. And I look at this pattern and I think, oh, how silly are these people? And then I look at the world around us and I think it's 2023. Is this pattern maybe still going on? The people of God, they come in, they get excited. We're going to serve God because He's great, touched my life, changed my family. And then very soon we start drifting. Church becomes optional. Prayer becomes a thing that we do pre-service. Bible is something that's always on the screen. We start living like the world, we speak like the world, we live like the guys at work, and before you know it, we're in trouble crying out to God, where are you? Where are you? 
And we, we, we need to recognize that if you want to go down a certain path, God will bless you. And He will protect you. And He will cover you. But if you want to go the other way, God is also happy to take His hand off something. And when He, when he lifts His hand and says, fine, do it your way, that's the moment you're in trouble. You're in bondage. You're stuck. You don't know which way to go. You don't know what to do. You find yourself in a mess. Why? Because, and, and who's the first person we blame? God, where are you? And God's going, no, 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 where are you? I just took my hand off. You want to go down that road? Go. I saw, uh, I saw somebody once, they were walking their dog. They had, anyone got one of those really small dogs? Like those little, the smaller they are, the, the more vicious. Right? They've got like an inferior, like inferiority complex, right? They're just like, if I'm small, I'm going to kill you. Right? And this dog, there was a, a fairly big dog, like, like, well, I'd say like a medium size, not like Lizette's. Lizette's got a horse, but this thing's like a medium sized dog. And, and this dog is walking, and this little dog is on the lead, and it just hooked out, right? Had like an episode, and it, it just, like, it obviously doesn't have the strength to get away, but you know, like when the lead is straight, but they just bounce, they're just like, wah, 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 and they just like, they just bounce as they're trying to. And I remember thinking, oh dear, that dog is on another planet. And I remember the owner going, oh, you want some of that dog? Go. And just unhooked it. <laughs> that dog, that dog turned onto its back, just like started crying as if this other dog was coming at it. And the owner's going, go, go kill it if you want to kill. And this little dog is cowering. You know how like they get so scared, they wet themselves and this dog's like freaking out. I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking to myself, that's kind of how it is. We want to go, 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 go until God says, okay, go for it. As soon as you unhook, then suddenly, oh no, I'm scared. And we've got to be careful. This pattern starts emerging. This pattern starts coming around over and over again. And we see it all through scripture. God just lifts his hand. And what we have to realize is that it's really us who suffer. We miss. When we, when we go after what the world has, we, we don't get what they have. We miss what God had for us, which is far better than what we could have gained in the world. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? And I always thought, yeah, but like I'm missing out on all the fun and all I get is my soul. There's actually quite a lot to gain by, by having your soul saved. You gain eternity. What I've realized as a Christian is I don't miss out on anything the world has to offer. I gain a whole lot more. Are you pursuing God? Or in this time of year, are, you, are your eyes, you, you just pursue everything you see? Is that your desire? What are you focused on? And how do you want to end 2023? Because how you exit 23 will determine how you enter 24. If you, end, if you exit one, be, one bedroom and you go into another one, how you, the attitude you left with is the attitude you're entering with. I know that for some of you, it's been an amazing year. For others, you might be looking in and saying, this year really sucked. But you have to make a decision now. How do, I want to, how do I want to approach 24? 
Do I want to be the kind of person who says, it sucked, it was bad, it was difficult, so it's just going to be the same? Or do you want to be the kind of person who says, I'm going to break the cycle and I'm going to end 23 and all that didn't work and I'm going to step into 24 and all that God has for me? These are good questions to ask ourselves. If you're online, you should be asking yourself this question, how do I want to approach 24? How do I want to approach 24? And so Israel is stuck in this cycle. Serve God, take God for granted, follow the world, get stuck, get bogged down by sin. Cry. Then they get handed over to somebody they don't want to sit under. And then they've got this period that they go through before they cry out to God. Because eventually everyone's going to cry out to God. You're going to find out that the world, what they have is not all that. And then you're going to come running back to God and then somebody's going to have to help you. I wonder whether 2024 could be this year for you. Instead of being the person that always needs help, I wonder whether you could become the person who is now able to start helping others. That's called spiritual maturity. I went through a stage in church where everything was about Andrew. I needed help with everything. My attitude was a problem. My lack of respect was a problem. I always had this issue, always had that going on. And something happens when you stick it out and you decide to go God's way. Eventually, things start to get rebuilt and restructured in your life. And you wake up one day and you actually realize that some of the worst things that have ever happened to you are the things that other people need help with. You're able to help them and steer them and guide them. So I want to read out of the book of Judges. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in this church. We have a Bible project in this church, and there will be a Bible somewhere around. Are there Bibles around? And if you don't have one, we want to encourage you to take one with you. You can have a Bible. We want everyone to have the Word of God with them. Amen? So if you've got one with you, we're opening in the Bibles that we have at the church to page 180. We're going to read from Judges 3. We're going to go all the way from 7. And here's what happens while you're finding it. Israel rebels. God hands them over to King Kushan for eight years. Remember that? Eight years. Before they cry out to God. And then they stuck in bondage. They stuck under this king for eight years that they hate. They go through this whole ordeal. And then they cry out to God. And God sends Othniel. I hope I get these names right. Othniel. And then Othniel dies. So he helps Israel. Then Othniel dies and, and Israel rebels again. Why is it that we keep going through these cycles? And God hands them over again to King Eglon. You think you've got issues. This guy's name is Eglon. And here's where it starts getting juicy, right? They cry out again. And God sends Ehud. Ehud. I just think of like someone from the hood, right? And this dude is savage. This guy's awesome, right? Judges 3. Sorry, we're going to go from 20 all the way down. Ehud walked over to Eglon, who was sitting alone in a cool upstairs room, and said, I have a message from God for you. 
And so the king's like, what are you talking about? There's a message from God. So he kicks everyone out of the room. Everyone out. This message is for me. Get out of the room. And, and so Ehud says to him, I'll got this. And he goes across and everyone's outside the room, all the servants outside. And he locks the doors. He bolts the doors. And then he gets close. And as the king Eglon rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand and pulled out a dagger strapped to his uh, right thigh and he plunged it into the king's belly. The dagger went so deep that the handle disappeared beneath the king's fat. Come on, somebody. So Ehud did not pull the dagger out and the king's bowels emptied. Come on, this is why we read the Bible because it's sickening. It's, this is the kind of stuff that is in there. Get into it. Right? There was mud everywhere. That king got what he... Come here, bro. I've got something to tell you. Come close. Come ah! Gotcha. Nice. And then he escapes. He actually, he, he goes through the toilet. He, he ducks down. The, everyone's waiting outside. They're thinking, wow, the king is in there. What's going on? He's taking a little longer than usual, which is a reason for it, right? Because your brother's dead. Right, and he's in there, and and then eventually they're like, "What's going on?" And they open the doors, and they see that he's lying there. He's just this tub of lard on the ground. He's just this big fat king with. They can't find the dagger. They just see a mess, and and this guy's escaped. So he escapes, and he runs back to Israel. Good man, right? Runs back to Israel, and he gathers men. Verse twenty nine. They attacked the Moabites and killed about. 10,000 of their strongest, most able-bodied warriors. Not one of them escaped. So Moab was conquered by Israel that day, and there was peace in the land for 80 years. If you're going to go, if you're going to go the enemy's way and chase certain things, and God's going to lift His hand off you, you're going to have eight years of hell, or you can go God's way and you can have 80 years of blessing. It is always worthwhile going God's way. Always worthwhile. You can have short-term fun, but you are always going to pay the price. Tell me it's not worth living for Jesus. Come on, somebody online. And then Judges 4 starts like this. After Ehud's death, the Israelites again did evil in the Lord's sight. Here we go. And the Lord turned them over to King Jabin a Canaanite king, back to their old ways. Why is the cycle keep happening? And some of you have cycles in your life which you need to break. You're waiting for something magical to happen, but even when somebody comes along to help, you still, once that person's no longer around, you just gravitate to your same old ways. And it takes something from people to say, I don't need you to help deliver me. It's time for me to start to walk in deliverance. God has made this available for you. Stop getting stuck. Stop accepting that how it is now is how it will always be. Make a change in your mind. I'm going to fight my way through this. I'm going to fight my way through the sin, through the disappointment, through the hurt, because I'm coming out the other side and I'm going to serve Him all the days of my life. Something happens when you change your mind. Everything begins to shift. And then verse 31, which is just before Judges 4, we get this lonely one-liner. After Ehud... 
Shamcha, son of Anath, rescued Israel. He once killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. Hold on. How did we just, how did that become just a quick one liner? We'll put it in there. Who is this guy? What makes him so special? What the heck is an ox goat anyway? And so we've got a picture on screen. An ox goat, that thing in his hand is an ox goat, right? Really, it's just a spike. And you would... Because sometimes you just need a good goad in your backside, don't you? Let's goad, right? Do you remember, you remember Jesus speaking to, to Saul? He said, Saul, Saul, why are you kicking against the goads? You know what they are? Like you could have it in your hand. So a goad is something you can have in your hand. You can, you can, it's a bit like a cattle prong, right? Nowadays we have better ones. They come with like an electric shock, just a yank, which I'm going to bring one to the church. And, and so you would have this, you would just like shock them. But back then you would poke them, but also on, when, they would, when they were pulling the plow, they would put these spikes on the front of the plow. So Because oxen are notoriously um, good at just getting frustrated and then they kick back. So they're pulling and you're like, let's go, let's go. And then they go, um, enough. Because they don't always want to pull. You could replace that to church people, right? Let's go, let's go. I don't want to, right? That's kind of what happens. And so he says, why are you kicking against the goats? Because they sharp objects, and when it kicks, it hurts itself. So it goads itself. Sometimes when you have you noticed when you kick against God's plan, you find yourself accelerate forward. But in this case, he has one where he can help them now. I'm not going to wait for you to kick. I'm just going to poke you. It's just an everyday tool for these guys. Nothing real flash. Nothing fancy. It's just a stick, really. And this guy is probably one of the most overlooked heroes in the book of Judges. He's got no military and he's got no weapons. And in almost every other case, you're going to find military and weapons. That's how you win wars, right? You take... You, you take Guns to a knife fight. And you take more people than they have. And that's how you win wars. This guy has nothing. He's just a farmer. But he's always, and this is why, how God will, can use people. He's always making sure things are pulling in the right direction. And he's stewarding what he has. He's looking after it. Do you look after what God's given you? Do you make sure that everything's going in the right direction? that your family's going in the right direction, that your friendship circle's going in the right direction, that your business is going in the right direction, that your ministry is going in the right direction. But this guy knew trouble was coming. He knew the Philistines were coming. And what happens is, when you have this mind that says, I know that it might be good today, but the enemy is coming after me. And if he comes in, he's going to come after me, and he's going to come after my family. He's going to come after the people of God. When you have that mindset, you look differently. You don't just exist. You watch. You notice it. I see something. 
I'm aware of it. Some of you need to pray and say, God, give me discernment. Help me see what it is you want to do in the situation. You need to be awake. You need to be aware. And this guy is making sure that what he's got is looked after, that it's going in the right direction. But he's not so focused here that he doesn't look on the horizon. You need to look out. You need to look around you and realize that, that you have something God can use like this guy had something that God could use. Now, I know you think, for the most part, God can use anyone and God really should use everyone other than me. Because you can't really find anything about your life that's worth using. Not a great speaker. I'm not a great evangelist. I'm not, I'm not Steve Jobs. You know, I'm not the best parent in the world. I'm not the greatest worker. I'm not the smartest person. You've always got a reason why you're not, why you're not enough. Why you don't have enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough business sense. I don't know the right people. You'd all have a reason why God cannot use you and why you don't have enough. And God is saying, let me use what is in your hand. What you think is insignificant might just be the thing that God is going to use to do something supernatural. You could pass hands. Oh, well, truthfully, I don't have anything. How about your voice? You have a voice. You have a voice. You can't make a difference with your voice? As in you can't even encourage someone? They're having a bad day. You can't. You have, for the most part that I'm aware of, most people have thumbs. And you have a mobile phone. Above all things, we have a mobile phone, right? You leave home without a Bible. You will never leave home without your phone. Most people can't leave the passage and enter the bathroom without their phone. So we know that you've got that. You can't use that. How about social media? Can't use social media to make a difference. How would God do that? Here's a great idea. Uh, our team puts out great content every week and social media makes it easy to share or like, comment. You could make a difference there. You have friends. You have a job. You have money, you have time, you have a car. You're thinking, Andrew, I don't have any of these things. You do. How about your relationships or your house? See, you thinking somehow God's waiting for you to have something like what? What is the something? What do you have to have that eventually will be enough? What is it? What is the thing? that suddenly you will wake up and go, right, I've got eight houses, 14 cars, and $2 million. I'm ready to make a difference for God. What is it? What, what is it? What do you need? What would I have to give you before you would feel ready? And if you think about it, there's nothing I could give you. Most of the time we realize we have so much, but what I would argue is it's just not submitted to God. Can God use your car? Can He use your money or is it yours? It's your car. It's your house. It's your social media. Don't touch my stuff. This is mine. I want God to bless me so that I can have more. Maybe what you've got is enough. 
What you also have, which is amazing, and we all have this, you've actually all got no excuse. You've got no excuse. Because nowhere do I find that God will tolerate our, well, you know, because of... You notice in the Great Commission, he never said, look, if it's all right with you, what we're going to do is we're going to go into all the world. If you get a spare minute, or once your kids are sorted, once you've made enough money, once your phone bill's paid, once you get an extra car, he just said, let's go. Let's go. What we do is we say, amen, but I just want to... God uses a simple man and a simple weapon. And he actually not only saves his family, but he saves his industry. And he saves the people of God from an attack from the enemy. Your, what you think is insignificant, is abundance. What does God need to do to get your attention? What does he need to do to show you that what you view as lack is actually abundance? What does he need to do? How does he stir you more? What, what, what has to happen? You think, Andrew, if you saw my bank account, do you want to trade? I'll trade. I remember a young person told me once, this is a true story uh, in youth, and this young person came up to me and he said, if I had the money you had, I could also do something great for God. So I gave him the credit card statement. Now, it did help, in fairness, in fairness, and it looks worse, is uh, the guy I worked for had actually just used my credit card. We had set up a medical center and we needed to do it the day before we got paid. So we maxed out everything and then the following day we got paid. But what I showed him was a credit card in, that had $64,000 in debt which played in my favor. It did play in my favor, right? Because everyone thinks that everyone's got what it takes, except them. I mean, who's got more money than you? Everyone, right? Everyone's richer than you. You just know that. You look around, you're like, yep, yeah, you've, you've got more money than me. You've got more. Everyone's got more money than you. But your money means nothing. Because I've seen all the way through Scripture, recorded in Scripture, where, where God takes virtually nothing and expands it. So how about you submit your something and see what God can do in a supernatural way? All I've got is a... And that's what we have to fill in, is the blank. You have to get to a point in your life where you come to the Lord and you say, I'm going to be honest with you, all I have is... And use all of it for your glory. And when you do that and you acknowledge that if not for God, you wouldn't have anything anyway. When you acknowledge that and you come before Him and you say, I don't know what to do. All I've got is this. Something happens in your life. I remember going, I started a youth group and the very first thing we were gifted was a broken set of drums, not electric drums, proper drums, so they're big and bulky and I had no way of getting the drums, let alone anything else, to the youth group and so um, I, I stretched myself and I bought a vehicle, uh, it was a Ford Escape 
Um, and I bought this car, and I remember standing at the dealership, and and the deal was really good, right? It was supposed to be 32000 I think, and I got it for like twenty-eight with some accessories, and I had no money to pay for this car, and I was excited. And it was going to make me look cool anyway, but I, I just said, God, I, I don't know how I'm going to afford this car, but if you would give me this car, you have my word, I will use it for your glory. You can have it, and you can do with it as you please. But without it, I don't know how to get this stuff done. And then I signed the document. The very first day I got the vehicle, we managed to put the drums in it. And the drums absolutely destroyed the back seat, right? Absolutely. And I resent youth for it. No, I don't. And, and, and I, I remember there was a period uh, in the first five years that I owned the car, there was only one year that I actually drove it. Everyone other than me seemed to have my car. That guy's car breaks, he takes it. Then this happens, somebody else gets the vehicle. Then this happens, somebody else takes the vehicle. Sometimes three, four, five months at a time. But I'm telling you now, apart from the fuel consumption in that car, it was such a blessing. <laughs> Ten years from now, I'll pay off the fuel that I did. Something happens to you when you stop buying things for you and you start realizing that what you got can be used by God. Everything changes for you. And it does more for you than you realize because it also blesses other people and it protects people. And it leads people to the Lord. And it brings deliverance. 600 people came against him. What do you do when you see the enemy just pouring in? And you say to the oxen, stand back, baby, just hang on a sec. And you climb off your trailer. All right, who's first? Somebody's about to bleed. When there's 600 people coming, do you know what God did for him? God gave him nothing extra to help. Like, hook a brother up. I'm willing to fight for you, but I'm on my own. And there's 600 people coming down the mountain. But what does he do? He said, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm not going to die this day and allow the enemy just to take everything. This day, let it be noted that what I have, as insignificant as it seems, I'm going to use for the glory of God. And I'm going to fight until there's nothing left in me. And he kills 600 people. And when it's you against 600 people, the odds look very bleak. But when you're 599 down, I'm telling you, number 600 starts panicking. Number 600 starts thinking very differently about how they're going to approach you. When there's 599 things that are done and you say, right, let's go, champ. Let's go. There's a different level of confidence that comes up. There's a different way that you fight. I'm covered in blood and it's your blood. I killed your mother, baby. I'm going to kill you too. Let's go. I've killed everything that's come my way. You've seen God succeed in my life for $5.99. Bring number 600. And when 600 goes down, what's the thing you do? You put that goat on your shoulder and you go, is there any others? Anybody else got something to say today? 
I'm telling you now, those oxen are having a different conversation. Baby, I don't know about you, but I ain't pulling this thing anymore. I'm running. Are you ready to run? Because I will drag you if you don't run with me. There is no, I, he, I thought he was brutal before. He's going to shove that thing right. No way. We're going we're gonna to run this thing today. Everything in your surrounding changes when you realize that God can use what you think is insignificant and God can do something exceptional through it. But you need to submit it to God. You need to submit it to God. We have to keep going. We have to keep fighting. We have to keep pushing. We have to keep going forward. We have to keep encouraging one another. We have to love one another, cheer each other on, stand with each other on the battlefield, celebrate through the victories, of course. Praise God in the moments where you do have the breakthrough. No, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are going to annoy each other. We are going to get into each other. We are going to disagree. We are going to, but no one comes between us. We're a family. We fight for each other and we fight for other churches as well. We stand for the body of Christ. We stand for them. If somebody in Nations Church puts something online and you think, oh my gosh, that's pretty good. You are not cheating on Jesus from the Link Church by pressing like. <laughs> they will get that word out further. You will feel better and we will survive. We will survive. And if you see something that we post and it's amazing, you can press like. You don't have to, though, but you can. And if your friend is in Nations Church, they will survive. Because it's bigger than just us. It's not the Link Church only. Man, we are all in this thing together. And I want to say openly, I don't agree with some churches in the city. I don't. I don't agree with some pastors. I don't agree with many people. And that's true for people in this church. We are not going to agree on everything. Who cares? As long as it's a salvation issue, I'm not worried about it. If we agree on salvation, we agree on Jesus, we agree what's in the Bible, I'm cool. I don't expect you to agree with everything. But this is not our fight. This is what we fight for. We, fight, we don't fight with each other. We fight for each other. We stand with each other and we push forward and we realize that we have enough issues out there to fight. We don't need to get into it here. Bible's clear. Work out your own salvation. When you've figured yours out, then you can figure someone else's out. Amen? Amen? Mm-hmm. That's a good amen moment. Because I know you're thinking, yeah, but if I could just get Kurt to... Um, no, you get you to. Don't worry about Kurt. Don't worry about Bob, Jenny, Paul. You don't worry about no one. Nothing of this is your concern. If you've got nothing nice to say, zip it. Right? We are here. Everyone is fighting something. We are here to celebrate each other and cheer each other on. And if we can help each other through difficult times or when somebody's scripturally struggling with Scripture, that's where you can chip in. Help somebody. But we don't need to be those people. Amen? We don't need to talk about other people. We don't need to... Worry about what other churches are doing. You're here. Like, dial in. Let's go. Let's do what God's called us to do. Amen? So as you head toward 24, 
Do you have an attitude that says, I'm all in for Jesus, no matter what comes my way, I'm all in, and what I've got, even if it seems insignificant to me, I'm going to realize that it could be very, very, very significant for God. God, here I am. Use me. I also come with some money. Use that. I've got a friendship circle. Could you use us? I've got a church. Could you use us? I've got a car. Uh, if you can use it, Lord, it's available. I've got a van, so I can put a lot of people in it. <laughs> Standing room only, baby. Let's go. <laughs> but I've got straps and ratchets. I'll be fine. Now, come on, man. What have you got that you think is useless? You've got your mouth. Say something. You've got your mind. Use it. You've got so much available to you. I don't want you to leave 23 thinking, oh, what a year. Let's hope 24 is going to be better. No. Man, there were some great things that happened in 23. There's some things that sucked, and 24 might be exactly the same. Who cares? Let's go into the positive attitude that says, let's see what God's got for us. Let's go for it. Let's go. I can't promise easy. The only thing that's really simple or easy is actually getting along with me. But the rest of things are most difficult. I'm going to frustrate you. I'm going to poke. I'm going to press. I'm going to ask you questions. But it's for, your, it's for the best. Because I'm going to, I'd rather ask it now than you struggle with it later. Let's do something great for God. Amen? Come on, bow your heads. I want to pray for you. I really want you to take a moment and think about what you have because you have a lot. What is surrendered? What is not? Would you have the guts to say, Lord, all I have and all I am, I surrender to you. Because the truth of the matter is you've tried everything on your own. You've tried it your way. You've spent money your way, spoken your way, behaved your way, run your business your way. You've done it your way in your marriage. You've done it your way in your friendship circle. And what has it really amounted to? If you think about it, often not very much. But when you find people who surrender and submit what they have to God, you find God do extraordinary things in and through them. And I really want you to experience that. Those of you online, I want you to experience what God has for you. Experience it. Give Him your all. Give Him everything. And find out what happens. You've tried it your way, do it His way. Many of you need to make a decision right now. Those online, those in here right now, you need to make a decision. Am I willing to surrender to God? Am I willing to pursue Him? to remind myself of how good He is and of the things that He's done in and through my life that He's doing around me and the, in the lives of people around me. Because when we lose that, we start chasing the world. 
because we feel like that's where we're going to get gratification. That's where we're going to get what we're looking for. And you're not. You're just going to create a hole. What the world offers is a world of sin and the wages for sin is death. The result you have, the gift you have of of rebelling against God is that you die. It will kill you. While no one's looking around, I just want to ask you a quick question. While you're thinking about the things that you need to surrender to God, I just want to ask you whether you as a person have surrendered your life to Jesus or whether somehow for whatever reason you feel like you've been dragged off course. Maybe you chased it. Maybe it just happened. Maybe life just came your way. Those of you online, life just came at you. And as you sit here, you realize, I actually need to give my life to Jesus. I need to wipe the slate, start fresh because I want to enter this new year in a way that would give God glory. Now, I'm not going to call you forward, and I don't want anyone looking around. But if that's you, and you need to make a decision right here, right now, to give your life to Jesus, I want to tell you this before you make the decision. I'm not promising you easy. But I am saying that it is the most fulfilling thing you'll ever do with your life. And it's going to take hard work and diligence and it's going to take discipleship and it's going to take work and you're going to have to let go of certain mindsets and certain things that hold you back. But on the other side of it is a life of such fulfillment and a destiny that He has for you that you won't achieve on your own. Because that's not enough, there's eternity for you. And you get to be with Jesus for eternity. And it starts with a simple decision. He died for you so that you could have this. Would you receive the free gift today? If that's you while no one's looking around, those of you online, there's an opportunity right now for you to respond. In the room right now, I'm not calling you forward, but just slip your hand up and say, include me in that prayer. Include me because I'm going to pray. I see your hand. Great decision. You can pop it straight back down. Great decision. You're not where you should be. Right here, right now, you need to make a decision. While no one's looking around, just say, yeah, include me in that prayer. I'm going to give my life to Jesus right now. I see your hand. Great decision. Great decision. Great decision. Great decision. Great decision. Yeah, it's good. Be bold about it. Amen. This is the day your life changes. Anyone else? One more time. Just say, include me in that prayer. There's people online responding. Yeah, great decision. Amazing. Yeah, a lot of people. Maybe your hand went up. Maybe your hand hasn't gone up. But where you are, you're thinking to yourself, This is it, man. I'm making a decision to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to live for Him. I'm going to actually make my life count. If that's you, I don't want you for a second to minimize that decision. It is as important in this room. It is as important. Because you believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you get saved. And a hand going up doesn't make you more saved. It just helps me know who I'm praying with. But my hand is up too. I want him to. I need to surrender everything to him. I want to give him everything. I want to give him my whole life. I want to give him everything I've got. 
I want to do this journey with you. So Father, I'll just lift up this church before you right now, those that are joining online, those that made this decision. They're turning their life around and they are turning away from everything that's contrary to you and your word and your will and they're going to run for you. They're going to run your direction and they're going to come out the blocks and they're going to go fast. I pray that you would stir them to no end, that you would give them a fire and a passion that they have never experienced before, that they would know when they sleep they are saved and secure, that when they wake up they would experience the voice of the Holy Spirit, the leading and the prompting of the Lord in every sphere of their life. And I pray for every person in this room who did not feel like their hand had to go up. And I pray that right now by your Spirit, you would stir something in them that reminds them of what it was like when they made that decision, that they would become people of encouragement, that they would cheer those on, that they would realize that they have a responsibility to disciple and to walk this road and to see what God can do not only in their life, but their brothers and sisters who are now joining along this journey. I pray that you would raise us up as a church that never gets complacent when we see people give their life to Jesus. A church that would wake up. A church that would be vigilant. A church that would be excited. A church that would see the person giving their life to you and say, I want to play my part. I want to be part of what you're doing. A church that is alive. A church that follows Matthew 28. That we would be determined to go into all the world and make disciples and teach them to obey all that you have commanded and that we would help baptize them into your body. In the name of Jesus, I pray and I prophesy that we will be that church. If you're one of those people who has raised their hand or made a decision previously, you should be saying inside of yourself, amen, amen, amen. I will be that person. I will be that man. I will be that woman. I'm going to stand my ground and I'm going to help those who need it most. And those are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thanks for being with us. We hope this message leaves you stirred to a place of action. If you made a decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, need more resources or want to take your next step, linkthechurch.org has everything you need. Until next time, from everyone at The Link Church, God bless.